Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's praise Him all over the building. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Amen, amen. The book of Ezekiel today, chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Thank you, praise team. And I pray God blesses each and every one of you right now. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're in church with me today. To all of our new families, we welcome you. To our guests, we welcome you. We pray that you can come back this week and tonight. Church tonight at 6 o'clock It's going to be a powerful service. God's raising up a mighty army. Amen. He's raising up a mighty army. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, verse 1. Ezekiel writes, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about saw it from every angle and behold there were very many in the open valley and lo they were very dry what it's saying is they've been here for a long time he was describing the hopelessness in his writings the hopelessness of the situation and he said unto me speaking God said unto me son of man Can these bones live? I want everybody to say, can these bones live? live. Of course, the prophet was very wise. If you were standing there and you're looking at a valley full of dry bones and God said, can these bones live? He was very wise. He said, thou knowest. That's a good response. God, you're the one that knows all things. He said, thou knowest. Verse four again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I'd like to preach to you on this subject today on can these bones live? Can these bones live? Would you praise him for his word? And thank Him for His goodness all over the building. Would you give Him a shout of praise? Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. The story is written in such a way. It describes the hopelessness of the children of Israel. They were described as a people that had no hope. Now listen, if you are a preacher and God's hand is upon you and he takes you to this valley of dry bones and he has you to look over the congregation and he says to you, can these bones live? You know, you you are, you're put in somewhat of a predicament. You're not just looking at a dead church. Now I've been there. My dad, one time, the church was so dead, he told him, he said, I'm going to give all of it, I'm going to pass out shovels because the Bible says, let the dead bury the dead. That's what he told him. Didn't he do a great job on Wednesday night? Wasn't that great? Amen. Isn't he a fantastic preacher? And uh, dead church. I've been to dead church. I have been there. I have been there. When I thought of the scripture, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, the Bible says. But this is a different situation. He is looking at a valley filled with dry bones. And they're not just dry, they're very dry. How it happened was this, if you study the backstory of the valley of dry bones, how did the bones get there? What happened was the enemy, the enemy of Israel had conquered them in a battle, it appeared. And when they would kill the army of the Jews, they took their bodies and threw them into a heap of one body piled onto another body. 
There were so many of the children of Israel, the army of the children of Israel, that they had a big long heap for some, someone said about a thousand yards. I don't know how long it was, but it was along two heaps. There was a path in between the two heaps of dead bodies. It is said that when the children of Israel came through there, and if, if you gentlemen wouldn't mind, would, would you, you right here, you, you five, do me a favor. Go, go back to the doorway. Where, see on this side? Go back there. Don't, don't walk slow because these people are hungry. Get back there. And what would happen? This is going to be the, the, the heap of, of bodies. And they would march the leftovers. The children of Israel, they would march in between the two heaps, long heaps of, of dead, the dead. And when they marched them, walk, walk slowly. The goal was to demoralize everyone left. To make them see and smell the stench of death to make them feel hopeless that, that their God hadn't taken care of them. And it is said that when they would get to the end of the, that row, the, past the heaps, if their head was still lifted in somewhat faith and confidence, then they would stab them with the sword and throw their body into the continuing of the heap. If their head was down, Hope had, hopelessness had set in, they would let them live. But if you had confidence, they would kill you and throw you into the heap. And that is the backstory of the valley of dry bones. When he took the prophet to the valley and he let him walk around this dire situation, this hopeless situation, he said, Son of man, can these bones live? They didn't have shirts and ties on. They didn't have swords in their hand and a, and a nice army fatigue on. They did not. Those, those would have rotted away by now with the sun that would shine and the deterioration of the clothes and, and, and the, the, the skin and the meat and everything would have at this point, years, many years later, had fallen off. The only thing that is left are heaps of skeletons that are left in the valley. Now does it make sense? Why when he said to the prophet, son of man, can these bones live? Do you see now why he said, thou knowest? He didn't want to say no, and he did not want to say yes. He was really just saying, God, what are you saying? Can I say there are some situations that we don't, we, we don't want to say it can't be changed. We're not so sure it can be fixed. But there's something in all of us that says, God, you do know what can come out of this mess. Lord, you know what can happen right now. There is something inside of all of us when we don't understand how it's going to get better. There's something that down deep inside of us says, God, but you do know what can come out of this valley. I'm not giving up. If you're not giving up, if you say they can live, then I say they can live. If you say they can resurrect, then I say they can resurrect. Somebody say, God knows. You, you may be seated. Thank you for helping me. What is it about the bones? And he challenges the prophet. He said, I want you to prophesy up on these bones. Now, I told you already, I've been in some dead church before in my life. I have. And he's telling them, there was one time I quit preaching. I was a young preacher. It was a Wednesday night Bible study. And there was a parent, they, you know, they didn't know how to control their kids. And, and uh, there was a parent, one time I just quit right in the middle. I'd had enough. And uh, I was sitting there, a young preacher. I, I struggle, I think, with attention issues anyhow. And, and uh, don't laugh at me. Don't diagnose me. Let me diagnose myself. It was, it was a Wednesday night. And I looked and he was sitting on this side. The dad was on this side. The mother's on this side. And the whole time I'm trying to preach with attention deficit issues anyhow. Those kids are running laps back. They'd go to mom, then they'd run back to dad. They'd run to mom, they'd, and I was too young to rebuke them. I wanted to, everything inside of me wanted to say, stop it! You know what I finally said? Let's all stand, I'm done. I just quit midstream. What I'm saying to you is he's looking at a hopeless situation. 
Prophesy to something that has no vocal cords. Prophesy to something that has no beating heart. I want you to prophesy to somebody that has no ears to hear and there are no eyes to see. I want you to prophesy. Son of man, I want you to speak. You know what? It takes some guts to prophesy to a valley that's filled with dry bones and it seems like they're very dry. It's hopeless. It's over and it's done. But when he said prophesy, he said, this is what I want you to say. He said, I, he said, prophesy, oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Why in the world would you preach to a valley full of skeletons? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's something about the bones. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that not one, speaking of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, not one of his bones would be broken. Why would the prophet take time to write about Calvary and to say his bones would not be broken? I'm going to tell you why. When he was hanging on the cross, he had already died. It was a part of the crucifixion that if you were still alive after so many hours, they would come up and they would break your legs. They would break your bones. And that way, like I preached last week in the 11 o'clock, sir, you can no longer rise up to get a breath. When they came to Calvary and they came to check on the condition of the crucified, they saw that Jesus was already dead, but they broke the bones of the thieves so they would be finished off. But it was to fulfill the prophet's prophecy that not one of his bones would be broken. Why is the scripture considering the bones of him? I'll tell you why. Because it's the bone marrow that produces the blood in every single one of us. Our blood is made from the marrow. And you got to understand Jesus was not just another human being. He was the Lamb of God that was going to produce the perfect blood that would wash away the sins of the whole earth. Let me just say it this way. You can't mess with the bone factory that's producing the blood. You can't mess with it. So none of his bones would be broken. I just want to know, is there anybody here thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? I'm here thankful for the blood. It came... It came from his bones. It came from his bones and not one of them was broken. But when you begin to study, it's not just what the bones produce. There is more to it to consider biblically about the bones. Joseph in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, look what it says. When he died and knew he was gonna die in Egypt, he was a second in command. He was, he was second in command only to Pharaoh on the throne. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. What he was saying was, you will not be here forever. I want you to elbow your neighbor and say, you will not be here forever. Could I stop and preach to some of you? You're in a little situation, but you're not gonna be in this situation forever. You're going through some things right now, but you're not gonna be in this forever. Might be sickness, it might be loss, it could be grief, it could be insomnia, it could be emotional chaos, but I preach to you today what he said, you will not be here forever. God's got something better for you around the corner. It's called the promised land. He made mention. He made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and he gave commandment concerning his bones. He understood the way the Egyptians thought. He understood how they bury their leaders in such uh, uh, glamorous, glamorous uh, caves and, and, and sepulchers. And you can read about King Tut and what they do and all them bombing and all the things that they would do with their leaders and their gold trimmings. He knew the quality of burial he would get like no other culture to be buried in Egypt. But he said, that's not what I want. I know there's a better place than Egypt. Bury my bones in the promised land. Bury me in the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't you dare leave my bones here. You make sure my bones get taken to where the people of God are going to be. You know what he's saying? He said, there's something about my bones and where my bones will be located. Now, I realize on a normal day, we say, oh, cremated her. 
buried. And that's up to you. I have a lot of people ask me those questions. That's up to you. But he was thinking, you know, we, we think, well, it really, really, really doesn't matter. And, you know, we talk about life insurance and not life insurance. And, you know, who's going who's to get the house and who's going to get the car. And, you know, you, you know, then I hear some people, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be here anyhow. We, we understand all that. But there was something in his mindset that said where he would be buried, where his bones would be buried. There was a, a, a level, there was a level of confidence. There was a, a level of thinking. And it wasn't just, maybe it was part of culture, but it's almost biblical. There was something that he said, just take care of the bones. Make sure my bones are taken. I understand the rest is going to deteriorate, but there's something about the bones. You, you see this, that even burials, there were certain places where prophets would be buried. They weren't just buried anywhere. They would bury them in certain places. And even the false prophets, the prophet, they had a prophet burial ground. And one time they were going in and they were burning up all the bones of all the prophets. But when they came to the man of God, they said, don't touch his bones. Leave him alone. We're not going to burn his bones up. You leave him. That was a man of God. There was something special about the bones of a man of God. Matter of fact, you'll find one place where they buried the prophet Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something about the bones. The prophet Elisha, they buried him in a, in a, in a, in a sepulcher somewhere. They put him in the ground and they, they, they placed him there. And it appears that, that his life was over. He's dead. What, what good can come out of something dead? But there's, there's Bible records that his second double portion miracle did not happen. The, the, the miracle that doubled the amount of miracles he had. He had double portion of Elijah. How many know that? The last double portion, if you count twice, he had twice as many as Elijah, as was prophesied. Did not happen. The last one did not happen while he was alive. It happened while he was dead. And there are two men that are running. Could, could you, young men, Bryce, could you imagine you are carrying, uh, uh, come here, come here, be the dead guy. Be, yeah, yeah, come on. And uh, you got to stand here and uh, you got you to gotta, you gotta sort of drag him along. I mean, he's... You got to, you got to, don't hurt him now. Don't, uh, you go, let's do it this way. Put your arm around him like this. Put your arm around him like that. And just go limp. Let, let your weight carry on. There, there you go. There you go. They are dragging their buddy out. And the enemy's coming after him. Hold on. He's not going to have any toes left on his shoes when he gets high. And, uh, hey, hey, and, and they look and they realize we can't carry him and get away from the enemy. So they grab him and they throw him into the tomb or the burial place. I'm not exactly sure where it was buried. But they throw him onto the bones of the dead prophet Elisha. And they sort of just discard him. And, and uh, don't, you know, they discard him. He lands somewhere over here. And they take off running. Just, just jog a little bit. Just jog. Don't run too fast. They turn around. But when he hit the bones of Elisha, he gets up and starts running after him. Let me tell you something what I know y'all wouldn't have done just now. You wouldn't have smiled when the dead man's chasing you. You'd have been out of here, I'm going to tell you right now. Hey, the enemy would have never caught you. It would have put a whole nother level of speed in you. And when they turn around, the dead man that had died, when he touched the bones of the prophet, he came alive. Because the bones don't only produce blood, they receive something while they're alive. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something about the bones. Hey, you can be seated. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of the Lord. Jeremiah was called by God to preach to people that wouldn't listen. I've been there a few times. He would preach to preach. They would call him in and say, prophet of God, we want to hear what God is saying. And whatever you tell us, that's what we're going to do. And he'd prophesy. Thus said the Lord. They said, well, we don't believe that. We don't believe it. Then they'd imprison him. Matter of fact, they plotted to kill him. They were going to kill him. God gave him an escape and finally he got so discouraged. Can I just say, don't make the preacher feel like you're not listening. You want to discourage the preacher, don't listen to what he's saying. My lands, it sounds like I'm preaching for job security up here, doesn't he? Hey, hey, he is prophesying and nobody's listening. He's telling them what to do and nobody's doing it. And finally he gets so discouraged that he sits down and he says this statement. I will not make me. 
mention of his name anymore. It's too rough. But when he went to sit, but he jumped and he said, but his word is like fire shut up in my bones. Can I preach to you today? It's the bone marrow that produces the blood, but it's the bones that receive his word. His word gets down into the bones. It's forever settled in a human being that hears the word of the Lord. There's something about the word that gets inside the bones of a human being. Somebody say amen. That's why Hebrews 4, 12 reads this way. For the word of God is quick. That means it's alive. It's also what? Somebody shout it's powerful. Somebody told me one time, I've never seen people like you. You apostolic people, you hang out preaching messages like I used to, baseball cards. I said, we're guilty of that. Apostolic people love the word of God. We love preaching. We believe it's special made. We believe it's tailored made. We don't believe it's a history lesson of something that used to be. We believe it's alive right now for every situation. It doesn't matter how hopeless you are. There's power in the word of God. There's power in the preaching of the word of God. Hallelujah. If you'll just learn to listen to preaching, you won't need a lot of counseling. Preaching has the answer. Preaching can preach death off of your doorstep. It can preach sickness off of your body. Preaching can take you out of bondage and set you free. It'll bring clarity to your next decision. It'll bring strength in the moment of your weakness. It'll give you hope where the devil has put hopelessness upon you. There is power. That's why he said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? He said, I want you to go prophesy to the graveyard. I want you to prophesy to the bones. Why? Because if I can just get the word of God to be spoken, something that's dead is going to come alive because there's power in the word of God. Watch, I'm going to prove I'm going to prove to you that the word of God gets in the bones. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God, not the word of man. We don't go to church to listen to philosophy. Plato and Socrates and great philosophers. Nothing wrong with being intellectual. But there's nothing that replaces a sure word from the Lord. And I say to every preacher, you can't study messages up. You've got to pray them down. This is about showing how smart we are. This is about saying what God said to say. And that's what the prophet was saying. When he said, can these bones live, Ezekiel? Thou knowest. I come to tell you, I come to tell you about the one who knows all things. He knows your tomorrow and he declares your end from the beginning. He knows what you're going to go through and he knows what you're going through and he knows how to bring you out of where you're at to take you to the place he wants you to be. Somebody shout glory. There's power in preaching. I said there's power in preaching. There's nothing like preaching. There's nothing like a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't go to church just to go to church. Thank God for the music. We need the music. Thank God for the praise and worship. We need the praise and worship. But it's setting everything up for a word to be spoken. The word, when the word is spoken, Brother Tyler, something begins to happen. I'm going to prove it to you. For the word of God, everybody shout, is alive. That's what that word means when it says quick. It can mean fast too. Amen. Spontaneous. Spontaneous word. How many need a word for the Lord today? How many come to hear a word from the Lord today? I've got one for you. I've got one for you. The Lord has spoken to me. I don't say that casually. I say it in the fear of God, but there's a word. For the word of God is quick and it is powerful. I want somebody to shout, it's powerful. Powerful. Word of God ought to shake you every now and then. Stick your finger in a light socket, amen. It ought to move you every now and then. It ought to stir you up. It ought to make you love your spouse and your kids like never before. It'll do something if you just open your heart to it. The word of God is quick. It's powerful and, oh, it's sharp. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than the, it's sharper than the surgeon's scalpel. It's sharper, it's sharper than anything that you'll ever find. It, it, it's sharper than the sharpest razor blade you ever get. Why? Sharper than a twig, just sort of piercing even through the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. It'll deal with things that nobody knows about. You look at your spouse and say, did you tell him? I didn't tell him. Why in the world I tell him? He might judge us if I told him what 
I didn't tell him. Well, how do he know? Because it, it's a discerner. It goes all the way down to the joints. It gets in the marrow. As a discerner, the thoughts and the intents, it, it, it don't even talk about the intention. You haven't even done it yet, but it talks about the intent to do. It gets down into the bones. But once it gets there, it's not leaving. It becomes saturated. We use the word baptized. They were baptized baptized both in the cloud and the sea. In the sea, they came to the Red Sea, washed away the Egyptians. But in the cloud, they received manna, which was bread from heaven. We talk about the word of God. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeded out of the mouth of God. Jesus was the word. And he said, I am the bread of life. When you consume the word, it gets into your body, goes down all the way down into your, into your, I believe it can even get into your DNA. I believe it can change who you are. Well, my daddy was a gambler and my mama was a drunk and my, my grandpa was mean. But I believe when the word of God, you let it get down, it can soak into the DNA to where it doesn't matter how many, how many generations of alcoholism or drug abuse there, you can walk out free. You can walk out changed. You can walk out converted. Amen. It will change who you are. Brother Zion, that's why he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's not just a sermon by some man. It's the word of God that can change my situation. Is there a witness in the building before I keep on preaching that God's word has changed you? If it has, I want you to clap your hands and shout hallelujah. 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 Somebody say it gets in the bones. Elisha's miracle. Jeremiah spoke about it. Joseph entered the hall of faith, gave commandment concerning his bones. And I, I find a modern day story that explains it. His name was Lewis Hara. Lewis Hara was a preacher, a songwriter, great man. Dead and gone now. Older years, his body began to decay. Dementia had set in on his body in his older age. He and his wife went, on, went in for his evaluation of what he was going through. And he sat in front of the doctor. The doctor started the evaluation with a question that went something like this. Mr. Hera, do you know what month it is? Such as January, February, March, April, May. Lewis Hera looked up into the room with a puzzled look on his eyes trying to find the month. He looks at the doctor and says, I'm sorry, but I don't know what month it is. Well, Mr. Hare, do you know what day it is? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Again, he paused for a long moment trying to find the day but couldn't find it. He said, I'm sorry, but I don't know what day it is. He said, the lady's sitting beside you. Do you know her name? And he looks over at his wife. The long pause could not find her name. And he said, I'm sorry, but I don't know her name. He said, well, Mr. Hera, here's a piece of paper. And here's a pen. I want you to write something down on that piece of paper that you do know. Brother Hera just grabbed that pen and went to writing without hesitation, without pause. Started writing. When he was done, he laid his pen down. He said, Mr. Harold, would you read to me what you've wrote on that piece of paper? And this is what he said. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he said, and there's one thing I do know. It's for you. I come to preach to you what dementia cannot remove. What old age can't take away. When his word gets in your bones, it is forever settled. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Somebody say amen. Now, I'm going to be a few more minutes, but I feel a word in here. Yesterday, I preached the funeral of a friend, Jesse Yates. Met him in 2009 when we started planting the church in Crooksville. Elder Melik, Tom Melik told me about a man he had met there. And I went there and started talking to him. We started reminiscing. He's from Texas. We got mutual friends. The luncheon munching is called. You haven't been there? I say all of you need to go to luncheon munching. Get you a cheeseburger, BLT sandwich. We go there. My kids, we go there and celebrate. When they have special occasions, we go to luncheon munching and eat. I went down and met this gentleman that's there by the name of Jesse. We started talking. I found out he was a former United Pentecostal church preacher. Found out he had pastored three different churches. And some 40 years ago, had quit going to church and walked away from the Lord. When I'd get there and I'd start talking to him, he'd talk to me. He would ask questions about this and I'd talk about it. We'd talk about family. He'd always bring me more coffee than I needed. But never more coffee than I wanted, amen. We sit there and talk and start reminiscing. He started talking about the United Pentecostal Church camp meetings in Lufkin, Texas. I'd been there, I preached that meeting. Start talking about old preachers. Start talking about Ari Johnson, who'd get up and sing, Just over the bridge, there'll be no sorrow. Just over the bridge, there'll be no more pain. The sun's going to shine across that river and we'll never be unhappy again. I realize none of you probably know that song, but he knew that song. I'd heard that song as a boy. Brother Harper asked me to come and preach for him. I said, I'm going to come. I'll come and preach for you, but I want you to sing just over the bridge. When he did, he got up in church. He said, I'm singing this song where in bounds on Huntington, West Virginia. I set my phone. I set my phone up and hit record. I recorded Edwin Harper singing just over the bridge because I knew that was a song that Brother Jesse Yates loved to hear, one of his favorites from way back. Just so you know what I'm preaching, it got in his bones. When I got back after recording that, I set my phone up on the napkin holder and luncheon munching. I said, Brother Jesse, as he'd always come sit and talk to me. I set the phone up there. I said, listen to this. I hit play on just over the bridge. When I did, he started crying. It took him back to the old camp meeting days. It took him back to the old fashioned move of God. You see, you see, the, 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 you, you can't, you can try to run from it, but you can't get away from it. He said, train up a child in the way it should go when he's old. It won't depart from him. It, it's going to stay. You can run, but you can't hide. For I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You know what we need? We need to remind ourselves of things we're trying to forget. That God is good and God's on the throne and God is able. And he can do wondrous things and he never ages with time. He knows where we are. One day... Let me preach about my friend for a minute. One day I was compelled. You know, I'm usually just Aaron led to the restaurant, but this day I was spirit led. Oh, and I got up and I went down to lunch. And I told my wife, I said, I feel, I feel to go down there. I want to go see Brother Jesse. I feel to go to lunch and munching. And that's not the first time she heard this, but it was a spiritual leading today. I went down and when I went and there was no one in the restaurant. Rare. I don't know if I'd ever seen it. Rhonda, his wife was in there all by herself. She was just trying to clean up and tidying up. I tell her, I said, Rhonda, I said, hey, is Jesse here? She said, no, he's very sick. He's very sick. Matter of fact, he can't breathe. And uh, they, they don't even have a room for him. It's not the first time we prayed about situations before. We prayed many times, Rhonda and I and Jesse and I, situations in their life. Good people. I love them. I said, let's give me your hands. Let's pray. I reached across that counter. Where, where the cash registry is, I said, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray they'll get a room for Jesse right now. Before I can get out of there, the phone rings. I said, we got a room for him. There's power in prayer. Hey, there's power in prayer. The Lord hears you when you call upon him. You know, every now and then the Bible talks about stirring up the gift. You need, there, it, that means it's already there. It's down deep within yourself. You can try to cover it up with all kinds of shows and watch all kinds of Netflix and Hulu and news and read all kinds of books and all kinds of things trying to cover up what's really down there because you want to deal with some things God's wanting you to deal with, but you got to be thankful that it's in there. He said, stir up the gift. It, it, it's, it's, come on, you ever, you ever had a drink where it's settled down? Is that the bottom of it? 
You drank it, it was pretty bland until you stirred it up. Some of you are a little bit bland today, but if you just stir it up, it's down in the bones. It's down in there. It's already there. You know what I was going when I was getting with my brother Jesse? I just stirring it up. I hope every Sunday I can come in here and stir it up. Amen. What's already there. I'm not trying to give you anything new. I'm trying to call forth what God's already put in you. And if you just, the calling of God has not left you. The ministry God has planned for you is still there. He's just waiting on you to respond to what's already in the bones. Stir it up. Jesse went. They were able to do a minor procedure and opened up his lungs. It was miraculous. Miraculous. When he got back in town, I got back from the hospital. I went to see him and I went up to him. And I knew it had been a dire situation. I went and I said, when I got three feet from him, I could feel God. I've been around people and not feel anything. I've been in hospitals and never not feel anything. I have prayed with people with nothing. Nothing. When I got three feet from him, I felt God. And I went to say something like, Brother Jesse, I said something like, I feel the Lord upon you. It's not what he heard. He heard something else. What he thought I said, the Lord is dealing with you. And his response was, God has visited me. Forty years, and the Lord visited him. And he repented. He made things right with the Lord. He was a good man. Yesterday, I buried him. Tuesday, I was with him in ho- with hospice care in his home. They had given up on him because of the heart attack he'd had. When I was there, I sat beside his bed and I started singing that old song I learned from Edwin Harper. It was an old camp meeting song. I started singing it. started praying. Played my harmonica and sang Amazing Grace and the Holy Ghost started falling. And Jesse looked at me and he had to muster up the strength just to speak. He hadn't been talking that much, but when he opened his mouth, he said, I feel God. I don't know what that means to you, but I know what it meant to him. I wouldn't want, you know, when David, uh, when David committed adultery and he fell away from the Lord and Nathan showed up and he repented, he said, cast me not away from thy presence. He understood there's nothing more miserable than being separated from God. The absence of God, no peace of God, no love of God, and no presence of God. If you can feel God, you don't know how blessed you really are to feel Him on a Sunday, to feel Him on a Tuesday, to feel the presence of God. I went to Dot Darling's house. I'm standing beside her bed. She was also out of church away from the Lord for 40 years. They asked me to come to pray for her. When I walked in, hospice care. There, she's been taken care of by hospice. They told me when I walked in. She has not spoken in three weeks. She hasn't said a word in three weeks. She's just laying here in that hospital bed in that room. They asked me to come and pray. I'm going to tell you how I felt when I walked in there. I felt like Ezekiel up the valley. Not just dry, it's very dry. No response. No communication for three weeks. Why are you praying? Why are you speaking over this? Three weeks of no communication. Three weeks, she's going to die. I put my hand inside that bed. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm here, when I put my hand and grabbed her hand, I felt the Holy Ghost just like that. The Holy Ghost is powerful. I'm not making fun of God. It's powerful. It'll move you. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want to have church that doesn't move anybody. I don't want to hear preaching that doesn't move me. When I grabbed her hand, I felt God. And I said, Dot, I feel Jesus. Can you feel Jesus touching you? And she said, I sure can. She hadn't spoken in three weeks. But when we started praying, we started calling forth something that was down inside the bones of her that had been dormant for 40 years. I realize they might be backslid, but they used to be in Sunday school. They heard some great preaching. It got down in their heart. And then God's not, if it's there, 
The Bible says a live dog is better than a dead lion. What's it saying is, there's something there that's breathing. I believe there's something dormant in this city. I believe there's some prophecies that's been dormant for a long time that God is about to call forth out of your family. He's going to call forth. I wish somebody would jump up and believe it with me and say, there's revival in my family. There's revival in my daughters. There's revival in my children. There's something about the bones that receive. Look at your neighbor and say, your bones are fat. Now, don't get mad at them now. It'll make the bones fat. What is it? It's the word. It's forever settled. And it's in this room right now. There's a word of God. It's, it's alive. Prophecy does not die. Remember that, Ashley? I said prophecy never dies. The Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That means when you get outside of repentance with God, that His word in you never dies. God's word doesn't die. It's settled. It's settled. If He said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If He said He's going to do this in you, He's going to do it in you. You know what you need to do? You just need to stir it up. It's down deep in the bones. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be seated a quick minute. You know why sometimes y'all don't respond to me, but you respond to an evangelist? Because you get used to my voice. I'm not insulting. It's just the way it is. Just the way it is. And somebody could come in, and, and because it's fresh and it's new, it stirs you. But I can't. Because I'm a an established voice in your life and my voice can very easily become monotone the way your voice can be to your own teenage kids. I'm helping you. Evangelists have come in, I preach the same thing. Y'all give a decent enough response. I can eat chicken after Sunday and feel okay about it. Evangelists come in and preach the same thing. Oh my God, Pastor, that was the best message I ever heard in my life. Praise God. I just preached the same thing, had a different title. Amen. Old preacher told me, he said, it's sort of like this. He said, he said, pastoring is sort of like this. He said, when you got a teenage girl that starts dating somebody and that young guy comes around, they get all giddy over it, go on a date, don't feel like they're listening to you and they're all enamored over this young voice. He said, until trouble comes. They didn't want Papa's voice. Let me just word it this way. If we're not careful, we'll get used to the Word of God. If we're not careful, God's speaking to us. We're going to get used to God speaking to us. And we just treat the Word of the Lord like it's just another Sunday. Get a prophecy from somebody that comes in. Oh, that's just another prophecy. I don't want to ever get used to the Word of the Lord. Because it's the word of the Lord that's going to bring life into your dead situation. Don't, listen, listen, listen. There's a, immature people respond out of emotion. Mature people respond about what they know. We don't make decisions on emotion. We make decisions on knowledge. That's the difference in immaturity and maturity. Make decisions on how I feel based upon what I know. What I come to preach to you is it doesn't matter how you feel when you walk in that door. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to respond to his word because I know... I know what God can do. Somebody shout, I know what God can do. Do you believe that God can bring life to the dry bone situation in this city? If you believe God can bring life to the dry bones in your world, I want you to jump up and shout, he can let them live. <laughs> he can let them live. Come on, shout, he can let the dry bones live. In Jesus' name. And that's exactly what he did, remain standing. That's exactly what he did. He came down and he, looking at the valley of dry bones of, of destruction of yesteryear, God said, Ezekiel, they thought I had forgotten them. But Ezekiel, I've got plans for this valley. I've got plans for this situation, Brother Brosey. I've got plans but I just need somebody that'll believe with me. 
that this situation's not over yet. So Ezekiel, can these bones live? Lord, you know. Well, go ahead and prophesy. I realize some Sundays I'm prophesying to what seemed like hopeless situations. But if Jesus can walk into the graveyard of a Lazarus who's been dead for four days and stinking by now, I can walk in here on a Sunday and prophesy and believe God's going to raise up some things in your life. Do you believe that God's going to raise up... God's going to resurrect that love for your spouse again. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. I don't feel it anymore. God's going to resurrect that in your spirit like it's never been before. Let there be an amen. I want every hand lifted right now that would and call upon the name of the Lord. Be seated. Somebody say amen. amen. I spoke this this morning. I feel it again now. When he started prophesying, when he started prophesying to the bones, the ankle bone connected to the... Somebody said hip bone. That's going to be a sh really short fella. The toes came together. Feet bones came together. Knee and thigh and hip, back, spine. They came together. You imagine the seven-foot guy, femur getting on the four-foot guys. Didn't work that way. Because every bone has its own DNA. When God brought things together, he brought things together that belong together. And when you start prophesying the bones, things that have been separated are going to start coming together. Do you believe that? I want you to say amen if you believe that. Now many years ago, and I'm going to tell the story and I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to pray. But I, I want you to listen to me. Can I have a few minutes? Can I? Can I have a few minutes of your time? My grandmother, some of you have heard the story. My grandmother came to the Lord and saw the truth revelation of the name of Jesus. God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but her husband, Ralph, better known in our family as Papa Fish, and that was before my time. He did not live for the Lord. Matter of fact, when he would get drunk, he'd get mean and uh, unhappy. Things happened that were not right. She always loved him, wanted him to serve God, and one night during a church service, old prophet Paul Ramsey called her out and he said, the Lord's going to do a quick work with your husband. Just like that. Man, when she received that word, she got a hold of that word. She put that into her spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, it got in the bone. She held on to that prophecy. 1975, my grandfather had a massive heart attack, rushed him to the hospital. They put him in immediate surgery, open heart surgery. When they got him in the surgery, everything, every one of his levels tanked. They knew he was gone. They walked out into the emergency room where my grandmother was, my mother, my father, Gary Johnson, Mary Johnson, a few others. The doctor came in and said, Miss Johnson, I'm sorry to tell you, but your husband's not going to live. We've done everything that we can do, but he's not going to make it. His blood pressure, everything tanked, and I'm, I'm sorry that he's not going to make it. My grandmother reached down in her spirit, and she pulled out a prophecy that she received from a prophet that had spoken over a dry bone situation. She said, but Lord, you made me a promise. Moments later, he, the doctor walks back in the room. He said, I don't know what's happened. He said, but your husband's going to live. 
His blood pressure has stabilized. His heart rate has stabilized. But God did more than save his life because the Lord said, I'm going to do a quick work. When he came out of the heart surgery, when he came out and was in the recovery room, the first words, I know there's some distractions in the room, but I'm preaching. Can I finish what I feel the Lord has given me to preach to you? And there was, he woke up in the recovery room and when he did, when they took the tubes out of his mouth, the first words of my grandfather were this. Get me the preacher. Get me the preacher. My pastor, Pastor Hurley, John Hurley, walked in that room after recovery. He said, when I'm able to talk, I've got some things I need to tell you. When he was able to talk, this is exactly what he said. He said, Pastor Hurley, he said, I died on that operating table. He said, when I did, he said, there was a hooded creature. Death that came and grabbed me by my arm and started taking me to hell. He said, the further we went, the darker the road became. Until I started hearing the cries of people in torment. He said, I knew I was going to hell. Till I went up a volcanic area and I saw hell, the people in the flame. He even described the surgery room and who was in it. The surgery room. He said, and I screamed at that road toward hell. I don't want to go. He said, when I said that, that thing turned around and started leading me back up that road. And he said, I woke up in the recovery table. He said, preacher, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I'm glad to tell you that he repented right there in the hospital bed. They baptized him in the hospital bathtub. My grandmother was sitting beside him one night, sitting beside him one night, and he started praying. When he started praying, she heard him in the middle of the night start speaking in a heavenly language. As God gave him the ability to speak, this all happened. And within three months, he died and went to be with the Lord. And God had done a quick work with my grandfather because God's word is sure. God's word is able. God's word. Come here, Bryce. It was almost like this. Come here, buddy. It was almost like this. He was on his way, going down the wrong road. But that word, that was sure. Keep going. Came down and said, hold on a minute. You can't have him. There's a word over him. There's a word. Come on, you're going the wrong way. There's hope for you. There's salvation for you. There's a plan. I come to preach to you God's word. God's word is alive. God's word is able. God's word is able. I wish you would jump to your feet and shout, God's word is able. It stays alive. And I feel that there's prophecy over you. There's prophecy in you. There's prophecy all around you. It's in your bones and it's calling you forth back to him. That's what I feel like preaching is can the bones live? Yes, they can live. Absolutely, they can live. There's prophecy over your life the things that God wants to do in you. And you think it's just creativity. And you think it's just desires. But it's not just desires. The things that God has put in you are from the Lord. For he wants to do a work in your life, Bryce. I want you to lift your hands. God's not done. God's brought you here. He has a plan for you that's great. Believe it and it will come to pass. Can they live? Can they live? In a world of chaos and confusion, can these young people live? Can they be holy? Can they be virgins? Can they have moral minds? Come on, I come to tell you, you're the last generation church and there's prophecy over you. The sons and daughters will prophesy. Come up here, Jackson, run up here with pastor. Amen, amen. You can live, somebody shout, he can live. Come here, come on. There's nothing that can stop you from doing the will of God. Because if God's word is upon you, if God's word is upon you, it's sure, it's quick, it's powerful, it's able. I can live, you're good. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God's not done yet. Come on, get a little sassy with your neighbor and shake your finger and say, it's not over till it's over. 
Who am I preaching to in this room that you feel stagnant? You feel like a bone, you feel like a dry bone valley. But I come to preach and you're going to live again. You're going to pray like you've never prayed before. That's why we go to church. Because it gets in the bones. That's why we bring our kids to the church. Because it gets in the bones. It's not an option. Whether... And when I was growing up, it was not, are we going to church today? I never heard that. If it was window cleaning, we're going to the church. It's like one guy said, he said, well, are you, are you sick? We're going to go get a church, get prayed for and get healed. Amen. Well, I just threw up. Well, you feel better. Let's go to the house of God. Amen. That's the way it was for Corona. We went to church and I'm glad we did. Because I was there long enough to get something in the bones. That when the hard times come, I can say, I've got a word from the Lord. This is not over. This is not the will of God. That's not what God said he's going to do. I want all of you young people to gather around up here. There's an army that's raising up in this end time that's going to bring revival to every crook and cranny in Ohio. It's going to come to every nation under heaven. And he's going to use the people that believe in the word of God. I know it's a strong word. Quit listening to the news and listen to the word. Listen to what God is saying. Listen. Don't you let that fall to the ground. Somebody better get that word. You hold on to it. The hard times come. You ever make a decision go the wrong way? I don't ever believe you will. I don't care where you're at. You can get a hold of that word and say, Jesus. Did I tell Dot Darlings in this service? When I touched her hand, she started speaking after three weeks of silence. Mercedes Nutter's grandfather went there, Clarence, asked me to come and pray. He's about to die. He starts saying, he starts talking about the name. Starts talking about charts, Bibles. Come find out in a foster care. He'd been taken to this church somewhere out in the country. When I touched his hand, I could feel the Holy Ghost. It was in his bones. He raised up long enough to be baptized in Jesus' name. Ninety-some years old. I'm telling you right now, it's no accident you're here. Sister Rosie, Sister Rosie, come here. Once you stand there, every prayer you prayed, God has heard. And in his perfect timing, he's going to fulfill what you've asked God to do. Do you believe that? Lift your hands. God's going to do it. You go ahead. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I received that. I received that. If you're here right now and God has ever given you a word, I just want you to wave your hand like that. You don't have a handkerchief, but wave your hand. Say, I've got a word. Somebody shout, I've got a word. It's in my bones. The bones are going to live. The Bible says that they raised up a mighty army in that valley. Quit speaking hopelessness and doomsday and start proclaiming the word of the Lord over your family. Somebody shout, over my family. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask God to forgive us because that's what the Lord asked us to do. Repent or you shall all likewise perish. Let's all bow our heads and let's repent. Everybody in the room, I want you to pray this. Lord, I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Thank you for sparing me because I could have died. But you've let me live because you know you, I know you have more for me. More than anything in the world, I want to be right with you. I want heaven to be my home. ask you to forgive me again so your word can be fulfilled in my life I don't want to miss one more day without walking the right way would you pray with the person beside you I realize we sit in family sections I want you to pray both of you, three of you, four or five of you pray, let's pray with each other
Ezekiel 37 and 11, we're all going to pray. Verse 10, excuse me. Ezekiel 37 and 10. How many want to hear the word of the Lord? So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus said the Lord, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. Do you know that when Jesus died, 500 people came out of their graves and walked in Jerusalem? 500 people because there was power in his death to resurrect everything dead in us to live again. Some of you have lost dreams. Some of you have even changed paths. God didn't intend for you and it's called sin. But if you will open up your heart, he's going to breathe life into your spirit. If you have dryness in you, I want you to come to this altar today. I want you to be honest with God. I have been there where I couldn't feel. I know what that's like. I've experienced dryness in you. You feel like that's a valley of dry bones in your family. Dry bones in your, in, in, in your situation. I know what I feel. I'm obeying the Lord. I want you to run up here. There's something going on in your life. You say, I need life spoken back into my family. I need life spoken. Come on. Don't wait on anybody else. We're not here for anybody but the Lord. Dry bones are going to be made alive. I'm telling you, God's going to move on you. I prophesy things that have been disconnected or gathering. The DNA is drawing. Hallelujah. Come on, that's all right. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something about the bones. My neighbor, neighbor here was in a car wreck and went to see him. He had been broken, blown up in the military, and moved here, was in a terrible car accident. I went to see him in the ICU. He could barely talk, his broke, just broken bones. He said, Why did God let me live? I said, Because he's got more for you. Went too long. I baptized him in Jesus' name. This past year, I baptized him and the Father in Jesus' name. Isn't that amazing? God want to bring something to life. Amen. Take a moment all over this room and I want you to think about dry bone situation in your life. Take a moment in this room. It could be your heart, your emotions, your family, maybe even finance. I don't know. But I want you to think about where your family is. Say so we need life in our family again. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to pray today. God's got more. Lord, I know you've forgiven me. Hopelessness is going to be gone. and Hope is going to be filled and full. Jesus for he's able he's able come on would you pray with me all over the building start praying asking God to fix your situations hallelujah come on sing for a moment we're going to take a moment in the altar all over the building we're not going to rush out of here God's word has been spoken
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.